Inside the IC is sponsored by Microsoft Federal, the choice for classified missions. Welcome to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal on Federal News Network. Now your host, Justin Doubleday. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Inside the IC, where we explore how the intelligence community is evolving in a rapidly changing world. My guest today is Kevin Bingham. He's the Zero Trust Lead at the National Security Agency. If you've been paying attention to the cybersecurity world at all over the last year, you've probably heard the term Zero Trust. We're going to talk to Kevin about what that is and what NSA is doing to drive the concept forward. This interview originally aired as part of this year's Federal News Network Zero Trust Exchange. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. You bet, Justin. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. And, you know, I'd love if you could start. Just describe for us, there's a lot of takes on zero trust these days. What's the NSA's take on zero trust? How are you driving the concept forward? Well, so I've been a, a cybersecurity uh, practitioner and, and, and trying to, to, to be as passionate um, in that space as I can for the last 20 years. Um, started off at NSA on the red team. So we got, uh, I got a, a very good view of of, uh, of cyber operations and and uh, and what happens to uh, through the process of of networks being compromised, right? And um, and um, you know we've got MITRE attack models out there uh, now that that support a lot of those tactics and techniques and procedures that that hackers or uh, nation state exploitation uh, operators might do. From my early days of, of seeing that, it was it was it was easy to to, to quickly understand that um, that trying to protect the perimeter of the network was a losing cause, right? And so we've we've had uh, you know those of us certainly within the agencies and and, and others in, in private industry and, and others within the cybersecurity community that have that have understood this for for a long time. It's been for decades now, starting starting back as early as the Jericho Forum. Um, uh, you know, hats off to Forrester and, and John Kindervag um, 11 or 12 years ago now for, for writing um, the Zero Trust paper. Uh, that was a, was a very effective thought piece to, um, to, to put on paper uh, an idea uh, and a framework for how do you drive change within cybersecurity. We can say assumed breach, but People want to do the same things that they've done in the past. It's just the way our programs are set up. It's the way we're trained. If I'm an endpoint security engineer, I want to focus on protecting the endpoints. Um, so it's been it, the, the challenge for me and the frustrating part has just been how to get people to do the things that um, that we at NSA may have been guiding or, or, or others, you know, now coming out of CISA are guiding um, because that change is hard, right? That culture change is hard. And so um, the, um, the, the zero trust model for us was, was a, uh, an effort that was, that was gaining uh, momentum within private industry. We saw that, um, we thought this really is a bottom line drives the assumed breach mindset and drives, you know, in the end, this long story short protection of the critical assets, resources, the data, uh, uh, and services that we need to do our mission, right? Whether it's a military DOD mission or it's a business mission. Um, and so that's, that's where it really became important to us. Um, the zero trust framework as it was put out, um, we in the DOD, as we started to try to, to, to understand how are we going to get these ideas out there in an understandable way so that 
um, people understand what to do with this phrase called zero trust and um, and that it's more than just a new name for the same old thing right that it actually gives you some uh, a framework hopefully a unifying framework across um, uh, government and private industry to how you can move forward with cybersecurity. So the, the model that we put out, I, I will first say that that the, the DoD zero trust reference architecture was the first effort that we really started to focus on and to try to put that reference architecture out there so that people could understand what zero trust was, that it wasn't just a technology that they bought from company X or Y, that they had to um, tie these, these capabilities and these concepts together in an integrated way to achieve effective cybersecurity. It doesn't have to be that difficult if you get the model proper, um, if, you, if, you're, if you're focused on the right things. And so um, Zero Trust was a great place for us to start. Um, the model that we published um, through, the, through the reference architecture, through our partnerships with DISA and DUDCIO and Cybercom, to get that published and out there um, was was a great start, right? I, I really think it was. And then follow-on cybersecurity information sheets that we put out on embracing the cybersecurity uh, zero trust cybersecurity model, um, you know, was was follow-on to that, and certainly won't be the end of the guidance that we put out. Yeah, I mean, the model was not a technical document, very easy to understand for just just about anyone who, who's reading it. The concept, and I think the reference architecture is probably a little bit more technically focused. Uh, you mentioned one of your biggest frustrations, challenges is just getting people to embrace the, the idea. Um, what, what progress have you seen, I guess, over the last year or so in terms of getting people to coalesce around the concept? Well, I, so, so I think all of the, uh, the, the, the executive order 1428 certainly helped a lot, right? And that and that paved the way to um, to the National Security Memorandum 8 as well to extend that from federal government systems onto national security systems as well. Um, so that has been a huge help. The, the momentum has been surprisingly positive to me. Um, the, the acceptance of the model has been, um, has happened a lot um, quicker in the last two years than I, than I would have expected. Now, there was the 10 years of the original writing of the paper before we started to see momentum uh, out within the cybersecurity community. So some of that work had already been done um, um, by, uh, by others within the community and even um, private industry um, uh, companies that, uh, that were embracing the zero trust model and, and publicly talking about it, right? Putting, putting PowerPoint presentations out on, on, on share, uh, um, sharing sites or, or writing white papers on, on, on how they achieved zero trust, um, which was very helpful as well. Um, so for us, the momentum is, is, is solid. The reference architecture um, can be very helpful. Um, some organizations can take that reference architecture and immediately say, okay, I get it. These are things that I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, now I've got an executive order or a national security memorandum that says, hey, do zero trust. And so I can, I've got, I'm empowered to go to my, to my senior leaders and, and, uh, and, uh, and drive that change that we hadn't done before. Anyway. So we aren't just going to do uh, endpoint security anymore. We aren't just going to do boundary security anymore. We're going to start focusing on the protection of that data and start focusing on, on making sure that we've got 
um, solid authentication of, of not only our users, but but also our devices. And you can you can extend that concept across the other pillars of zero trust. Right. And we we look at that as being a, 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 a simple to understand five to seven pillar, depending on, on, on whose guidance you're looking at, whether it's DODs versus CISAs pillar model of, um, of of how to get your head around the uh, the complexities of cybersecurity, right? We used to have a uh, you know an old leader at, at NSA, um, Tony Sager. Uh, he's 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 still out in the community and used to say, you know, we're crippled by the fog of more, right? And that 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 statement always really stuck to me. People get uh, they get overwhelmed by the guidance and uh, and uh, and the uh, multiple top 10 lists or, or compliance efforts that they have to that they have to achieve and so um so it seems to be bringing a lot of uh, of clarity and unity um, that's empowering certainly our dod customers um but also our national security system and federal community as well um, and it's making it easier for the for the for the vendors who are providing solutions to us um, to understand uh, where we're going right from a cybersecurity approach um, to adjust their roadmaps as necessary or to work to integrate um, their capabilities with perhaps the partner's capabilities. So um, you know, uh, this NC, their, their, their cybersecurity center of excellence doing some good work in that area as well. Got it. And it, it seems like it'd be an interesting time to, uh, given, you know, I guess really starting with the solar winds attack that came to public light in December of 2020 and then Last year, obviously, cyber attacks were in the news every every week. It seems to be an interesting time where people are looking across the board for a new model. As there's this kind of increased urgency, do you think folks are approaching this in the right way in terms of, you know, not just going out looking to buy zero trust in a box, like you mentioned before, not just looking for, you know, the easiest single solution, but actually looking at it as an architecture that will take some time probably depending on the organization to implement. We see uh, organizations do that extremely well. Um, and then we've seen some that, that you know, we would advise perhaps to do things uh, a little bit differently. When we've seen it, uh, the, the most positive examples that we can give you are those organizations that first understand the threat that they're trying to, to protect against. They embrace the zero, zero trust security model in order to um, to protect their systems and critical assets from that. And they start to plan it out. Now, this is a journey. We, we, we talk about that. I think all of us share that same concept that zero trust will take time. But as we start planning it out across our pillars, through the phases that we can achieve within realistic timelines, it's important that, that organizations get full buy-in from their, from their senior executive staff all the way down to their, to their implementers and um, and administrators, right? That's really important. When they do, good stuff happens. And, and in all the cases there, we, we've seen good, good things happen. A little can go a long way. So you start rolling through those phases or, or, or spins, if you will, for zero trust that, that may take you know, several months or perhaps a year. And then you bring in um, validation teams, right? So if you could bring in a red team to say, okay, how are we, how are we done? Right? We're planning it out. Let's bring in a validation team, a red team, are we having success? Um, sometimes those red teams will find something that uh, that an organization forgot. But there's been uh, recognition by those red teams from our experience and what we've seen that they're seeing things that they have not seen before. And and 
and little tweaks within the environment can start making things much more difficult for those red teams. And we've also seen some examples when those conditions are in place, you know, we've got embracing the zero trust model, full support from senior leaders down to implementers, um, progress forward with the planning and execution. We've seen validation tested after nine months to a year uh, by red teams are, are, are completely ineffective, right? And so we want to continue to see more of that. Where it, where, where it hasn't worked as well is where you've got a little bit of a, you know, a cultural resistance to, to what's different about zero trust or, or perhaps you start instead of with the end in mind of where you're trying to go, you may start with, these are all the efforts that I've currently got going on right now already. Let me try to put those, those efforts into a pillar of zero trust and Hey, if I get enough of the pillars covered, you know, I'm doing a little bit of analytics and I'm doing a little bit of multi-factor authentication or, or, or some type of authentication and access control method. We don't want people to look at, 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 at the, the pillars of zero trust as a, as, a, as a bingo card that they're just trying to place um, their capabilities to say, okay, we're looking pretty good, right? We want them to embrace, think about the roadmap of what you want your access controls to look like in one year and, and in five years what do you want your data protection capabilities to be you know as you start moving through those same time frames as well what analytics am i doing now what what analytics do i really want what type of visibility do i really want to be able to have in my environment all right it empowers it, it empowers organizations to do good cybersecurity. And when they approach it from that way and something like a solar winds happens or, or another high profile successful exploitation uh, campaign of some sort or, or event, these organizations mental, they're, they, they're almost energized and ready to defend, right? That's the attitude they're taking. Bring it on, I'm ready. I'm, I'm instrumented properly. I'm properly protected. I'm protecting my privileged accounts. I'm shutting down the adversary's maneuver space on the inside of my network. Um, I'm going to I'm going to set the roles for that solar winds appliance or whatever appliance I might have so that so that if something like a supply chain hit or some other critical vulnerability occurs that the damage that that appliance or 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 exploit can do is limited right there um, when we map these 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 cybersecurity incidents across um, from a from a miter attack model perspective right if we can get that kind of detail and look at it from a, a maturity model of zero trust capabilities over time. You know, we feel pretty confident, you know, from our team's perspective, that that you're going to significantly alter the the outcome for the adversary by doing that. And again, that's Kevin Bingham, the zero trust lead at the NSA. We're going to take a short break, but we'll pick up the conversation when we come back. I'm Justin Doubleday, and you're listening to Inside the IC on Federal News Network. With the broadest range of breakthrough technology solutions, Microsoft Azure for Government is the choice for classified missions. Built for government agencies and their partners, unlock insights, build new capabilities, and empower collaboration in secret and top-secret environments. Microsoft Azure is built for national security missions, combining cloud-native capability with classified networks, hybrid and multi-cloud, to create a developer-friendly platform that is ready anywhere and secure everywhere. Visit MicrosoftFederal.com. That's MicrosoftFederal.com. 
And welcome back to Inside the IC. We're speaking with Kevin Bingham, the Zero Trust lead at the NSA. It seems like at the basic ground level, the, the capabilities, the, the different things that you have to do to build a Zero Trust architecture is not any sort of secret sauce, technology development, multi-factor authentication, encryption, things like that, but it's raising it up a level and thinking more at the architectural level about what you want to do, what you might need to prevent from happening to really be effective, right? That's right. That's right. There is a lot of good guidance that's been out there for, for the last you know, 10 years or more on, on, on good cybersecurity practices, best practices that we should take. Um, you know, and a lot of it's still good, right? And you might bend that in, in, in cyber hygiene. You might bend that in, a, in, a, in, in, in perhaps some more advanced flavors of that. Because they're all called out when, when you look at, at, a, at a zero trust pillar mapping. You can reference the DoD uh, zero trust reference architecture for something like that, or, uh, or perhaps, you know, some other references that might be out there from, uh, from, from NIST or from CISA. But ultimately, we really want to get to that focus on the data and the access controls of what user or account on what device is trying to do uh, or gain access to what information or, or, or asset, right? And so ultimately that's really where we wanna go. And we've got, we certainly got a little snippets of that that we've been doing for years. Uh, certainly the, the Intel community has. Um, what's different about Zero Trust is not only are we progressing along that, that cyber hygiene, but we're shifting our resources based on the other pillars that we've been neglecting over time. And we're not forgetting that end vision of what we're trying to get, get, get to, which is protecting that critical data application asset or resource, um, whatever, it, whatever that is, and making sure that the user or the account and the device that should be gaining access to that um, is, and other things aren't. Um, and we keep we keep track of that through through um, solid monitoring and analytic capabilities and and start driving the you know, processes through through automation and orchestration. Right. We're, we're doing a little bit of that now, too, but um, certainly a lot more work that we can do in that space um, as, as time goes on and as as capabilities mature. Right. Within our own organizations, but also within the vendor community as well. Got it. All right. So we've been talking at a pretty high level. I'd love if we could talk a little bit about, you know, your own approach and helping your customers um, at the cybersecurity directorate adopt zero trust. Of course, your customers, um, owners of national security systems, defense industrial base, where folks aren't aware. What's your approach in terms of spreading the gospel? Well, we do a lot of outreach and engagement, right? So it, 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 um, a lot of overview briefings. Um, um, We work with individual partners and customers, right? Uh, So so that work with the individual um, customers for us, which might be a, an owner of an NSS system, helps us understand the, the challenges that they're having, whether it's a, perhaps a cultural adoption challenge, uh, challenges with, with guidance that uh, the national manager might have put out through, let's say, NSM 8 or other national manager um, directions that, uh, or, or memos that might come out in the future. That allows us to alter our guidance um, um, to support the community better. So that's a big role for us is to try to make sure that, that everyone's going in a northerly direction and that we're making sure that we're syncing with the DOD on what they're doing in that space, as well as the, you know, uh, CISA and, and NIST and others that uh, OMB 
um, that are that are that are influencers within the federal space and then the public space as well. So, um, um, additionally, we're working zero trust test beds um, within our team to not only to learn uh, the approaches to zero trust, but to understand what will work, um, how to do it, um, hopefully efficiently at, at, without without spending more money than we need to. Um, all of that knowledge that we gain, we then feed back into customer guidance as we work with them or additional um, documentation that we might put out through additional cybersecurity information sheets um, in the future to help with a, with a particular aspect of, of zero trust implementation, uh, implementation, for instance. Got it. And those um, test beds, you know, what do you think you can accomplish there? What, what, what do you think you can drive forward there from your specific perch at, at NSA? Well, we can, we can, we can, one of the intentions of the test bed is for us to give, um, since Zero Trust is a fairly new concept, for those that might be um, starting a new uh, IT modernization effort or a new system, they could have a, an example of a system that is achieving Zero Trust um, um, outcomes at a, at a higher level of maturity, right? So we don't say that Zero Trust, you've got to start Greenfield and, and start um, new with new IT systems. You can bring legacy into a zero trust environment, but when you do legacy towards zero trust, uh, we normally expect organizations to go through a, a maturity process. They're gonna start at a basic level of maturity where they're gonna actually begin at a pre-ZT phase, a pre-zero trust phase where a lot of the hygiene work would get done. They get an understanding of their environment. They're identifying their critical assets and resources. They're understanding the data flows within their environment. They're getting an understanding of what's on their network from a from a device perspective or, or locking uh, down, cleaning up the accounts, et cetera. And then they're starting the plan of how they're going to phase in zero trust over time with um, uh, with a basic level of maturity and moving on to an intermediate level of maturity. But there are systems that are beginning that, that, that are new um, IT modernization efforts where, where uh, efforts are changing. Those environments could be could be a focus on going to a cloud environment. Zero trust principles can be enabled, perhaps at a higher level of maturity within that cloud environment. Or if it's a, a, a private network environment, private cloud, uh, maybe private um, um, public hybrid cloud environments. Uh, we want our test beds to be able to, to show an exemplar of, of, of what type of things you can do to achieve those higher levels of maturity in that in that. Uh, new environment doesn't fit um, all people, but it certainly or, or all organizations. But it certainly helps helps us learn, helps us communicate with um, with our with our partners and our customers, um, helps us actually do validation tests ourselves to see how well it's working, um, um, and it, and achieve particular capabilities through analytics. I'll use that as an example at a at a reasonable cost, et cetera. So we we think it's been. It's been very useful from that perspective for for uh, organizations that have new starts going on, but but for that legacy environment as well, it does give us an, an ability to test um, capabilities uh, for our customers, uh, let them get some hands on, uh, let them work with our teams to have uh, direct engagement on a on a um, on a monthly, weekly, and, and in some cases daily basis to understand how they would um, uh, implement zero trust in their own systems as well. Got it. And one thing we heard from CISA is that in their engagements with their customers, um, one of the big 
sticking points, their engagements with other agencies, their customers, um, one of the big sticking points or questions so far has been around identity and how to do identity within Zero Trust. Are, are you finding the same thing on the national security side or are there different questions that are percolating? So I think identity represents a, uh, you know, a challenge area just because of the, not only the importance of it, but also uh, the interoperability needs that we've got. We've got now a unifying framework through Zero Trust that we have an opportunity to not look at identity specific to you know, an organization, but look at identity as it would need to, um, to work and interoperate and help integrate the larger community, right? And that might be you know, a larger DOD identity effort, um, tying into identity credentialing and access management or ICAM capabilities that tie into appropriate data tagging um, all the way to data encryption at rest and DRM capabilities in the future. So, so from, from the ICAM perspective, it does become hard because there are so many different people involved, right? You know, you, you want to go fast, go, go alone, but if you, you know, if you want to go far, you, you need to go together, right? And so it, it requires a lot of coordination, um, not only across the DOD, but also the national security system community as well. So we're staying tight in with the Committee of National Security Systems to make sure that we're communicating with that community. And we're also staying tied in with the DOD and communicating with, with, with CISA as well, uh, just to make sure that we all stay synced up and, and are starting to go in different directions. And again, that was Kevin Bingham, the Zero Trust Lead at the NSA. We spoke about how the agency is helping to spearhead the federal move to a Zero Trust cybersecurity architecture. You can find more coverage of this year's Zero Trust Exchange on our website at federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Justin Doubleday. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Inside the IC on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your shows.